flutter and flower, a friend. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. A few years back, some good friends of mine wanted to create an edible landscape. We all brainstormed ideas which abounded with rhubarb, horseradish, sunchokes, and berries at the forefront. Most recently, they have pivoted away from the edible landscape mantra of how can this landscape best serve us, to a much more human ecological approach of asking, how can we best serve the landscape? And so naturally, conversations shifted to native perennials and plants that are colorful and good for birds and pollinators. So last year, we tried for the first time to start seedlings of common milkweed in an effort to attract a particular butterfly which has been in decline in recent years, and whose caterpillars can now be found gorging themselves on milkweed. Monarch butterflies. Adult monarch butterflies seek out milkweed in particular to lay their eggs. Milkweed is a native species so named for the slightly toxic milky sap that oozes from the broken leaves or stems. When monarch butterfly eggs hatch, the caterpillars waste no time and begin munching the milkweed leaves. Adult butterflies can feed on the nectar of a variety of plants, but monarch caterpillars predominantly consume milkweed plants. And while the caterpillars sure can make those plants look ragged by the end of the season, it never seems to prevent the plant from cranking out their fragrant flowers and later seed pods. This diet of milkweed, which the monarch caterpillars evolved to not be harmed by, is actually essential to their survival. The caterpillars are able to concentrate toxins found in milkweed in their bodies, making them toxic to predators. As a result, both the adult butterfly and the young caterpillars are boldly colored as a way of saying to would-be predators, hey, I'm here and I'm toxic, keep back. This is such an effective strategy that other species, such as the viceroy butterfly, mimic the look of monarchs in a successful attempt to ward off potential predators. It should be noted, however, that while the effect of milkweed toxins is pronounced in birds and insects, humans seem to have a much greater tolerance to them. In fact, milkweed shoots and young pods are considered by some wild food enthusiasts as excellent table fare with some thoughtful preparation. Unfortunately, a combination of habitat destruction and climate change could doom this charismatic butterfly and its epic 3,000-mile migration between Mexico and Canada. Because milkweed is a species of disturbed soils, agricultural fields and intact prairies have typically been ideal habitat for milkweed and monarchs. But as weed control on farms has become more sophisticated, old farmers' fields give way to forests, and native prairies are replaced with farms or suburbs, milkweed's range and population has dramatically shrunk. Meanwhile, increases in atmospheric carbon and average summer temperatures have made some milkweeds too toxic for even the monarch caterpillars to eat, and some compounds which help them ward off parasites, think monarch medicine, have become less potent. This combination is making milkweed both more toxic and less helpful to monarchs. In fact, scientists have observed a 99% decline in western monarch populations and an 85% decline in eastern populations since just the 1980s. But all is not lost. This weekend, you could try to find patches of milkweed in a roadside, ditch, farmer's field, or butterfly garden near you. If you find some, you could try looking for the caterpillars on the leaves. Whether you see any or not, keep in mind where you saw the milkweed so you can go back in the fall and collect some seeds. They're very easy to start indoors in the spring, or you can plant them directly in the fall into your gardens. 
By doing so, you could not only help beautify the landscape for you, but also provide necessary habitat and food for the monarchs who need our help now more than ever. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology.